Hello everyone, welcome to the Narcolepsy Optimized Podcast. My name is Jerry Moore and over the past three years I have been dedicating my life to finding alternative strategies to live a better life with narcolepsy. And this podcast is the compilation of all of the important research that I have uncovered and the lessons that I have learned along the way. Now today's episode we have a very exciting episode and a very hot topic uh, kind of in the narcolepsy community and really around the world in general health as well. We're going to be talking about cold exposure, or you might understand this as ice baths or cold submersion. We're going to talk about how it works, how it could be useful for narcolepsy. We're going to talk about the pros and the cons of it, things that you should do when you should not use it. Uh, so go ahead and buckle in and get ready for a very exciting episode here. Uh, a lot of cool stuff to share with you guys. Now before we get started, do not take any of this information as medical advice. Always do your own research and consult with a medical professional before making any changes to your routine. All right, so first to get started, what I want to do is I want to lay some groundwork for this episode because there's some information we need to understand before we get into talking about cold exposure. All right, and one of those things is uh, understanding narcolepsy a little bit better and understanding how narcolepsy is treated. And one of the primary ways that narcolepsy is treated, the medication treatment right now, is through the use of stimulants. Now, if you guys have heard any of my past episodes, I've talked a little bit about this, uh, but just as a brief overview, what do stimulants do inside of our body? When we take stimulants, what do they do and why do they make us feel better, uh, or most of us feel better in a short period of time? The primary thing that stimulants do is they increase chemicals in our body, in our brain. And these chemicals are called serotonin, dopamine, and adrenaline. All right? Those are the three primary chemicals that are stimulated by stimulants. Now, when we talk about dopamine, dopamine is a chemical that is typically low in individuals with narcolepsy. It's very, very common for individuals with narcolepsy to have uh, lower levels of dopamine, and dopamine is responsible for focus, motivation, and drive. So we can kind of see that correlation why individuals with narcolepsy may lack motivation, may lack focus, may lack drive. And when they consume stimulants, or when we consume stimulants, we feel now this increased ability to focus and to do work and uh, to have this drive. Now, the other chemical that I talked about that's interesting, particularly to this episode, is adrenaline. And most of us out there, we understand and know what adrenaline is. Adrenaline is energy, right? This is our body's chemical to drive us forward to do things, uh, particularly used in a workout sense, right? But in this fashion, when we're talking about stimulants, when our adrenaline is increased, we now have more energy to be productive and to do things. Now, the thing that's different about when we talk about stimulants, uh, and I've talked about this briefly, and I really would like to uh, get some more medical professionals on here to talk about this more in depth that have more experience and understanding and background about stimulants and understanding that. But from the base of information of what I can understand, uh, a lot of individuals have this, this level of dopamine, right? This Think of it as a tank of dopamine. And as we continue to utilize stimulants as a resource for energy, this tank of dopamine may slowly decrease, uh, which can lead to uh, typically what leads to effective uh, or medication not being as effective at a lower dose and needing to increase stimulant dose. And this is what I hear a lot from individuals who are taking stimulants and a lot from what I hear from myself. 
where it's not particularly a sustainable method where you know we need to continue to increase this dosage to feel the same effects. Now, what's interesting about the topic today of cold exposure or ice baths, uh, I'm just going to call it cold exposure for the rest of this episode. Uh, what's interesting about this cold exposure is the chemicals that are released and or increased during cold exposure is adrenaline and dopamine, right? These are the two primary chemicals that are released. Now, what's really cool, uh, they've done tons and tons of studies on this, and I'm sure you guys are hearing more about it. Uh, because all of these these research topics and these studies are coming out uh, about the effects of cold exposure and how they work. And a lot of the studies they've done have shown, here are some statistics for you guys, um, up to 350% increase in metabolism post-cold exposure, up to 550% increased adrenaline levels, 550%, so extreme increases in adrenaline levels, and up to 250% increase in dopamine levels, 250%, all right? Now, what's really interesting and cool about this is that this, this like increase in these levels of adrenaline and dopamine, they persist hours after cold exposure. Now, this is done, this particular study with these particular statistics were done at, you know, a very uh, cold rate at a very extended period of time. So, you know, someone taking a cold, uh, cold shower for a few minutes probably won't experience these increased levels, uh, but know that they can reach, they have been statistically found to reach up to these levels and persisting at these levels for hours after cold exposure. So for us individuals with narcolepsy, you know, when we think about taking a stimulant, when we take the stimulant, we're receiving an increase in adrenaline and an increase in dopamine. Well, this cold exposure can have very similar effects to the medications that we're taking. Now, what's really interesting, uh, because with this persisted uh, increase in adrenaline and dopamine, individuals will experience an enhanced mental acuity, They'll experience enhanced focus, enhanced motivation, and oftentimes what they're doing now in clinical studies uh, and they're doing now with cold exposures is they're utilizing them to help individuals with bipolar as well as individuals who were addicted to drugs, uh, particularly drugs like cocaine, methamphetamine, uh, drugs that have a high uh, pool on increasing this dopamine level. Right, so drugs like cocaine, you take cocaine, and with cocaine, what you're going to experience is you're going to experience a huge increase in dopamine as well as a huge increase in adrenaline. Right, so when you come off, when you stop taking cocaine, right, when you come off the drugs, you're going to experience a crash in these things, and that's where the cold exposure, they're utilizing that to help people with that disparity, that difference uh, the, in the things that they're experiencing and be able to make that transition easier. Now, what's interesting about this increase in cold exposure or this increase with cold exposure, as I talked about with, with stimulants earlier, is there may potentially be a depleting of this dopamine level uh, while the use of con uh, with the use of continued stimulants. With cold exposure, they aren't actually seeing that. They're actually seeing an increased level in dopamine. Uh, over the long period of time. So you're going to see a short spike in dopamine, but you can also see a, a consistent increase in, in baseline dopamine levels over an extended period of time, which seems like it can be a very, very positive long-term effect.
And the uh, a secondary effect of this, this this may this probably is uh, pertinent to us, but not directly uh, pertaining to us. It has an incredible ability to improve uh, our ability to deal with stress. All right, to deal with stressful situations, whether that be family, relationships, work, anything like that. Using cold exposure has been shown to greatly enhance our ability to deal with these stressful events and not feel such a strong reaction to them. And that is due to two particular things. One is due to the, the mental capacity of it. You think that when we're doing this cold exposure, it is something challenging, it is something difficult. And if we're continually doing this challenging, difficult thing, we actually increase our mental capacity for handling challenging and stressful situations. And this is often why you see this done in the military a lot. Like you see uh, individuals going into the, the, the special ops training, uh, they're using these very high stress events like cold, extreme cold exposure. These practicing these tools increase our ability to deal with stressful events. Right? And this is also from the physiological change in decreasing our cortisol levels. So cortisol is our stress response. So now when we, uh, we go into traffic or we're stressing out about work or whatever it is that increases our stress response, our cortisol levels, using cold exposure actually decreases that level of cortisol or decreases that, that spike or that uh, effect of cortisol. So you can see here, we can, as looking just from that list, the things that I just talked about, quite evidently there are a lot of things that we can get from cold exposure. All right, but now let's talk about using it directly with narcolepsy and, and how I've used it and how I've seen it used and the things that I find how to use it best uh, because there is something different about us with narcolepsy and using this cold exposure that I find. And one of the things that I find is that, that this is not a, a baseline treatment. And again, this is personal experience. This is you know my experience from working with other individuals. And what I say by a baseline uh, tool is that if your sleep is bad, if you're not exercising, if you're not eating well, if you're highly stressed, uh, if your sleep is inconsistent, if that describes you, and you utilize, try to utilize this tactic of cold exposure, uh, I've seen it have a kind of negative effect where maybe you get a, a short boost of energy initially from the cold shock, but then after the cold shock, you experience a crash, right? You experience this crash in energy, and it's actually not an effective tool for you because your body is already in such a sleep-deprived and stressed state uh, that utilizing this may not be effective. So again, I've talked about this in my past episodes. Uh, in the first episode, I talked about kind of the five keys uh, to, to narcolepsy and to energy, what I feel. And I definitely recommend if you haven't seen that episode to go check it out because it will talk about that a little more. But we need to have good sleep first. Sleep's gotta be our primary focus. Number one, we need to balance our stress response out we need to get our sleep down, we need to get moving regularly, we need to be exercising regularly, and we need to be on a good nutrition plan, right? Those things are our cores, and after we have our core or our foundation set of these things, then we could start moving into things like cold exposure and other things like that. 
Um, and that is again my personal experience and that is my experience in working with other individuals and that is how I coach as well. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm helping people with this stuff, cold exposure is one of the last things that we work on because the other getting into the habit of sleeping well, getting into the habit of exercising regularly and having a good nutrition plan is primary keys number one for this stuff to be effective. All right, so that's my little take on, on narcolepsy and how to use it with that. Let's talk about the different types and, and how to use it and when not to use it and getting started and some starting protocols. So the types of uh, cold exposure, there are a couple different types. There's obviously the, the cold exposure, which is the submersion, which is the often, often the things you see where people are sub completely submerging themselves in cold water. This is going to be the most effective, all right? Kind of difficult to, uh, to obtain if you are just a normal person like me and you don't have access to a cold tub, anything like that. So you could do a cold dunk in your tub. If you have a tub, you could fill it with ice, fill it with cold water, and dunk inside of there. Or another option, which is one that I commonly just use, is a cold shower. A little less effective on the outcome uh, of the things you're going to get from it, but still an effective tool. Now, there's a couple different times during the day that you can use it, and there are times that you should not use it. So when we're talking about when to use it, uh, the morning is a good option for some individuals. Some people like it to use it to wake them up, and undoubtedly, if you jump into a cold shower first thing in the morning, you will wake up, you will feel a jolt in your system, and you will be moving in the morning. For me particularly, this is not uh, my favorite time to use cold exposure, but I do use it sometimes if I need a pick-me-up. The other time to use it would be at the lunch crash, uh, and this is when this is how I typically use cold exposure. So for me, my sequence will go eating lunch, taking a, a break, which could be consist of a walk or a nap or just some downtime where my brain is relaxing, and then if I need it, jumping into a cold shower and then starting back at work. So that is kind of my sequence on how I use the cold shower. Again, people can use it differently. Um, yeah, it's completely up to you and, and going to be individualized. Another area that you could use it is before a workout. So because it does have this effect to increase adrenaline, you can use it before a workout and that would help you give you energy during the workout as well. Now, there are two times to avoid using a cold shower and I see this commonly and I fell into this, this trap as well. Uh, one of the places to avoid is after a workout, using it post-workout because it actually does stunt our recovery. It does affect our ability to recover. So that workout that you just did, you're actually decreasing your results by doing a cold shower afterward. And this is one of the pitfalls that I fell into because that's for me the easiest time to do it is because you work out, you're all sweaty, you hop into a cold shower. It's not as abrasive, it's not as bad, but actually not the time to do it. The other time to avoid it is before going to bed. So at the nighttime hours. Because obviously uh, increasing adrenaline if we're trying to sleep is not the thing that we want to do. So typically doing it in the morning or in the midday uh, or before a workout is going to be key times to do it. So getting started for, for individuals who are interested in getting started with this, there are a couple different ways to get started. I recommend starting off easy, starting off simple, right? Starting off with the easy route of doing cool showers 
and cool showers could just be consisting of like you jump into the shower and you feel a little bit of a shock but you're not going into complete shock and freezing right that's a good way to start off on week one and slowly work your way up into to colder temperatures uh, when we're talking about the time length to do it your sessions could last anywhere from one to five minutes depending on how seasoned you know you are how used to uh, the cold you are used to or how often you're doing it how much you're used to it uh, so one to five minute sessions and typically the recommendation starting off is somewhere between 7 and 11 minutes over the entire week so you could have somewhere between three to five sessions of one to three minutes and that is going to be a good way of starting off your cold exposure one of the things to note when you are doing this uh, you want to try to avoid going cold to hot so you don't want to do a cold exposure and then turn the water to the hot after you've done the cold you actually want to work and let your body adapt to the cold and you want to let your body heat up naturally there are a lot of systems and a lot of things at place that I'm not really going to go into this episode maybe I'll, I'll do a little bit more in depth episode a little more uh, sciencey episode later um, and if you guys want to check out uh, a, a podcast on this a little more in depth I will link that down below um, but yeah, that's how I recommend starting out. So sessions per week, three to five sessions per week. That is going to be kind of the ideal area and work your way up on time, right? You, you may be starting off at just one to two minutes, uh, but eventually you could work your way up into three, five, or maybe even 10 minute sessions uh, where the sessions are longer and doing that three to five times a week is going to give you guys the best benefit. So uh, if you guys enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate you leaving a review on whatever podcast platform you are viewing it on. And uh, that's super helpful as far as getting uh, this episode or this information out to other individuals. I hope you all enjoyed that episode. Be sure to hit me up on social at Optimize with Jerry and let me know what you thought of it. And if you are ready to make a real change in your life and you want help create an optimized plan for your health, your fitness, and your nutrition, whether that be for weight loss, whether that be for getting active again, or just wanting to live a healthier life, be sure to go to narcolepsyoptimize.com to get more details.